From our studios in North Florida, it's in black and white. And now your host, the baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, patriots of all ages, welcome again to In Black and Right, the new definition of color commentary. I am your baby-faced assassin of freedom, Jerry Brooks, looking forward to another fun-filled day and another adventure in podcasting. Now, uh, before we get started into the aftermath of, uh, of the circus yesterday in New York, uh, you can always contact us via email in black and right at gmail.com. Also, you can check out our website in black and net. And a big hello to our international audience, which includes nations such as France and Iran and the Russian Federation. So we've had a, quite a time uh, growing uh, the show. I mean, not just nationally, we're still in about 30 states. Uh, and, a, and one Canadian province, but uh, that's a little, we'll save that for a little bit later. But, my friends, of course, yesterday, unless you were off the grid, hiding under a rock or in a cave, you all knew it was the circus known as Donald Trump's arraignment in New York City. Now, of course, there were those who are uh, Trump derangement syndrome sufferers who didn't quite get Donald Trump uh, in handcuffs being perp-walked. Sorry, uh, the Secret Service said not a snowball's chance. So, there you go. But still, even with the 34-count indictment, now, we've also, on inblackandright.net, right on our homepage, uh, we have access to a, a link to the full 34-page indictment. So, if you want to really learn what the deal was, absolutely, uh, we have it. You can download it. Uh, it's in a PDF file. You can read it at your leisure. But it's a mess. Now, of course, in the aftermath of all of this, Alvin Bragg, Manhattan District Attorney, and George Soros, bought and paid for slave, uh, yeah, his news conference was abysmal. The man just couldn't seem to answer any sort of question uh, with any kind of cognizance. I mean, he's so used to the New York press just, you know, bending over and grabbing the ankles for him, but when it came to the real tough questions, uh, Bragg was a no-show. I mean, it was word salad with extra ranch. Uh, that was just insane, folks. Absolutely insane. And then, of course, last night, uh, President Trump went and gave a speech down in Mar-a-Lago uh, and pretty much laid it out. The two-tier justice system, the Machiavellian tactics of the DOJ, the FBI, uh, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, the State Attorney General of New York, and various others who are going after him because they're going to do whatever they possibly can to stop him and stop him cold from becoming president in 2024. Now, uh, the... Oh, man. 
I, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, looking at Bragg's performance at his press conference and other things that have come out just within like 24 hours, even less, about some of the more shady characters in, the, uh, in this mess, in this whole entire drama. Now, one person who I am really interested, who really became the link to uh, Alvin Bragg and, uh, and all the way to the White House, and because there were federal funds, federal funds that were used uh, for this investigation, which means it now comes under the oversight and the jurisdiction of Congress. But, before I get into that, I want to play Mike Davis, the dude's awesome, from the Article 3 Project, who was on uh, Steve Bannon's War Room, and oh baby, this guy that he's talking about is a guy named Matt Colangelo. And instead of me trying to explain who he is, what he does, and how severely messed up he is and linked to all this mess, I'll simply let Mr. Davis explain for himself. Yeah, so the prior Manhattan DA at uh, uh, Alvin Bragg's urging, the U.S. attorney in Manhattan, the Federal Election Commission, and Bragg himself previously declined this bogus legal theory uh, that they're using now to indict Trump. And then you have the, these disgruntled, unethical Manhattan DA prosecutors run to the media. They resigned, they ran to the media and cried about this. And so then back in December, Bragg hired this very senior uh, uh, Obama and Biden administration official. His name is Matt Colangelo, is I think how I pronounce his last name. It's C-O-L-A-N-G-E-L-O, -L -L, Colangelo. And Matt Colangelo is the, uh, he's, he is the guy who's driving this. He is the link between the Biden Justice Department and Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, the George Soros-backed left-wing prosecutor. And if you look at the, the media coverage when, when Bragg hired Colangelo back in December, like, for example, CNN, this is how they reported it, that CNN says, hey, they, CNN simply reported that Colangelo was, quote, a senior official in the U.S. Justice Department, and before that served as an attorney on the Trump Foundation investigation with the New York Attorney General's office. Uh, they're, they're, they're covering up his background. Um, Colangelo was a left-wing, has been a left-wing radical lawyer for many, many years. He was an NAACP lawyer for seven years, and then uh, he went to work for the, uh, uh, for the Obama uh, Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division for Tom Perez, when Tom Perez was the Civil Rights Chief. Tom Perez went on to be the labor... Yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't get ahead of us. That was the Holder. Under Holder radicalized DOJ more than certainly radicalized, and Perez was one of his biggest instruments of radicalization in the Civil Rights Division was the most radical of all. Am I incorrect there, Brother Davis? You're absolutely correct, uh, Ben. And, uh, and so then Tom Perez went to be the Labor Secretary, and this Matt followed him over to, uh, to the Department of Labor, where he was the Chief of Staff before Perez went to be the DNC Chair. And then uh, this, uh, this Matt 
went to be uh, went to work in the Obama White House as one of the top economic advisors in the Obama White House, and then uh, uh, he left. And during the Trump administration, he went to work for New York uh, Attorney General uh, Eric Schneiderman. Schneiderman was the AG who got me tooed and chased out of office. Uh, Matt was a in one of the jobs he had. There was he was the executive deputy attorney general for social justice. So this this. DEI equity nonsense, and he served as the. But, but, but Schneider, Schneider Schneiderman was also one of the early guys to target Trump. Letitia yep. James ran on the platform of "I'm going to take down Trump," that I'm going to get Trump. That was her. That was her campaign promise. But it was Schneiderman early on that laid that, that they they were already deep into this about about uh, getting Donald Trump. Uh, and yeah. he was so he was the head of social justice. What does social justice in the New York AG's office do, sir? Uh, apparently, they investigate Trump because that's what he did just about the entire time that Colangelo was working in the New York AG's office. He also served with with Alvin Bragg. Bragg was the the chief deputy attorney general for the criminal side, working with Colangelo. And Colangelo Colangelo brought dozens of lawsuits against the Trump administration and led the investigations and to the Trump Foundation and Trump Finances. And then Matt Colangelo goes to work in the Biden Justice Department. He was on the parachute team in the Justice Department. He was the acting number three, the associate, acting associate attorney general. It's a really, really important job that most people never hear about. He essentially ran the entire civil side of the Justice Department, including the Civil Rights Division, before uh, Benita, as Benita Gupta, who's a radical left-wing activist, was getting nominated and confirmed and going through the process. And then he became Vanita's number two. So he was the number two to the number three in the Justice Department. This is the same job that Michael Moss before to chat when he worked at the Justice Department. Okay. Interesting. All right. So now we have a little bit more of an idea of what was going on behind the scenes with Alvin Bragg's office and the federal government and the use of the federal funds for this investigation, which is now essentially being, people are screaming for Congress, for Kevin McCarthy and the appropriate committees, oversight and judiciary, with Jim Jordan at judiciary and Jim Comer at oversight. And yet, what's going on? You know, what we now are learning this more beyond just what happened uh, with yesterday and the arraignment. I mean, even the Washington Post. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. This is crazy. The, <laughs> the Washington Post, one of their columnists, Ruth Marcus, uh, on Tuesday, uh, even though... <laughs> It's really amazing that sometimes the truth accidentally just sort of shows up. Now, this columnist with the Washington Post, uh, Ruth Marcus, she wants Trump to be found guilty. I mean, that's like, okay, you know, at least she's honest about it. But the opinion piece that she wrote on Tuesday, which is titled, The Trump Indictment is a Dangerous Leap on the Highest of Wires, quote-unquote, so now she's writing how incredibly weak and flimsy Alvin Bragg's case is. 
And this is, I mean, oh my goodness. One of the things that she wrote in uh, her column, Ms. Marcus, and I quote, is disturbingly illuminating in talking about Trump's 34 count indictment is disturbingly unilluminating and the theory on which it rests is debatable at best, unnervingly flimsy at worst, quote unquote, from Ruth Marcus. Now, if you got somebody from the Washington Post, not exactly a MAGA-friendly or Trump-friendly newspaper, saying stuff like this about Bragg's case, then that should tell you something. That should absolutely positively tell you something, and it's probably not a good thing. But now we have the next phase of all of this. What is Congress going to actually do? Are they going to send out subpoenas? Are they going to call for Bragg to testify and everybody else? Well, I'm going to let a great mind on this. Mr. Cash Patel, former federal prosecutor and de chief of staff at the Department of Defense, let him tell you what he would like to see when he was being interviewed by Steve Bannon. Yeah, so from a congressional standpoint, basic constitutional oversight lies with the committees of jurisdiction in Congress. And you have to outline two things, just like we did when I ran Russiagate. One, what documents and evidence do you need collected? And two, what witnesses are going to help you address and eliminate that? So, stepping back, we saw Alvin Bragg come out and say um, how much of a government gangster he is, as you decided, as you said. But what we now know is that he utilized federal funds to investigate Donald Trump. So now, we must subpoena from Congress. Every media institution Alvin Bragg talked to, we must investigate the felony of leaking grand jury investigative materials to the media and public. That's a felony. Up to Congress. We must subpoena all of his staff and all of their records. We must also follow the money, as I always say. we got to figure out where exactly the federal funds were spent and why is it that federal funds are being utilized to help rig and interfere with yet another presidential election. Who gave the okay in the United States government, speaking of government gangsters, to authorize American taxpayer dollars to falsely indict a president of the United States based on no actual legal theory whatsoever? These subpoenas have to go out. Then the Alvin Braggs of the world and the investigators must be put front and center under oath for the American public to see after the documents have come in to say, this is where the money came from, this is where we spent it, this is where the leaks went, the felony leaks, this is where all of the witnesses that we talked to hid exculpatory evidence that we knew about, and these were the misrepresentations we made to the grand jury and the judge and the world. And the only way to do that is not cheap rhetoric, but through the subpoenaing of documentation by committees of jurisdiction, now that there is a jurisdictional hook, nobody in Congress can now say, oh, it's a state matter, there's nothing to see here. Wrong. Alvin Bragg is also putting the money aside, saying that the conspiracy, that even though there isn't one, but he's tying the conspiracy to a federal election matter. The false narrative that he wants out there is that Donald Trump did this crime to interfere with the 2016 election. Okay, let's see the goods. He's talking about the United States of America at a federal level. The United States Congress must send out these subpoenas to get this information out. Wow. There you go, folks. 
That's why I am a huge fan of Cash Patel. He laid it out straight. Yep, let's do it good. Here's what you got to do, Congress. Let's go, Kevin McCarthy. Let's go, Jim Jordan. Let's go, Jim Comer. Let's get to work and find out what the deal is. Send the subpoenas out yesterday and get the hearing scheduled because if there's not some real effective stuff going on with these hearings, with the gathering of documents, I know it's annoyingly slow. I mean, it's more entertaining to watch paint dry. But if Congress isn't going to take advantage of their opportunity to really dig down deep and figure out what the heck's going on, uh, who's doing what with our money, and who's corrupt to the core. That's how you work that. So, yeah, there's plenty more. There's plenty more to do. And, yo, yeah, let's go. We, we got to get going. So, pretty much, Congress, get your arse in gear. Because you are way, way behind, buddy. Way, way behind. Okay. But still, I mean, with all of that, we have, uh, it, was a no, it was a big news day. Uh, there were other things going on besides the Trump arraignment. Uh, we had, in Wisconsin, uh, pretty much really scary stuff going on because the Wisconsin Supreme Court election, uh, for all intents and purposes, has now ended the conservative majority of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, which was 4-3 conservative, now it's 4-3 liberal. If the, uh, the more leftist judge who is projected to win, uh, if that's been confirmed. So yeah, here we go. Uh, in Wisconsin, you know, say goodbye to the right to life, say goodbye to the First Amendment, say goodbye to the Second Amendment, and and if there's any kind of an election case for in next year, because Wisconsin could easily become another state that is all kinds of problems uh, with voting and machines and this and that and the other. So, I mean, you might as I mean, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, you might have to kiss it goodbye. You just have to pretty much kiss it goodbye, Wisconsin, and hope to God that you don't end up next year with uh, some highly controversial case. And, well, you know, as far as now with abortion being sent back to the states after the Dobbs decision, Dobbs decision yeah, this is going to be interesting to see what happens in Wisconsin. And its neighbor to the south, Illinois, in Chicago. Chicago... Uh, has sadly once again uh, bent over and grabbed the ankles for the left. Uh, Brandon Johnson is expected to win the Chicago mayor's race. And, yep, as, and Brandon Johnson, essentially black, way out in left field, essentially is going to be Lori Lightfoot 2.0, except he doesn't look like Beetlejuice. So, once again, Chicago, have fun. Have fun with rampant crime. 
a defunded police department, and everything else that, and oh yes, and he's also planning to raise t city taxes. So, yep. So, uh, if you live in the Chicagoland area, uh, make your reservations with U-Haul as quickly as possible. Because it's going to get really nutty when this guy takes over uh, an already thoroughly messed up city and probably is going to make it even worse. So, I don't know. I mean, he might actually be half decent, but given the fact that he's a self-proclaimed progressive, uh, don't count on it. It's going to be business as usual, uh, and Chicago will continue to uh, de devolve into an even bigger mess and a bigger breeding ground for crime and everything else. So, yay. Happy, happy. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what it is with cities like Chicago that vote people like Lightfoot and this Brandon Johnson. I mean, whatever happened to all the black folks down in the south side of Chicago? I mean, this is another example of how black liberals take great cities and turn them into a freaking mess. Case in point, Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, Eric Adams in New York, uh, Baltimore is another one. And I'm like, okay. And yet, these people still get into office. And they have to have an awful lot of minority support to do it. I mean, shoot, even down in Atlanta, uh, they had a black mayor. I think they still do. But still, I don't understand why black folks keep voting the same type of people into office only to have their communities essentially become nothing more than, you know, than some kind of a gun range. Oh, and speaking of how silly some black folks get, case in point again, Howard University hires Stacey Abrams to focus on race and black politics. Now, Howard University is a great school. It's a historic black college. I mean, I had a cousin who is a graduate. It is also the alma mater for the late actor Chadwick Boseman of Black Panther fame. You know, it's a great school, but why on earth, what possessed the dingbats at Howard to have a two-time loser, two-time loser, okay? Stacey Abrams ran for governor of Georgia twice, lost it twice. So, I, I don't know. Uh, I really do not know why she is absolutely, why they think that she's a great uh, faculty member at Howard, where all she does is essentially spew forth some of the dumbest stuff. I mean, dumb stuff. I mean, this is the same Stacey Abrams who said uh, that... A fetal heartbeat is nothing more than a mechanical sound. It's not real, and it lets doctors control women's lives. This is an idiot. And yet, here's the problem, though, uh, Stacy, honey. What about the female uh, obstetrics and gynecologists, hmm? 
It's not just a man thing, but in her twisted demonic mind, it is. And now she's, it's like, oh, oh my goodness. It's like Hillary Clinton going to teach, I believe, at Columbia. Oh, I, I'm sad for Howard because it is a great university. A great university. But if you're going to bring this thing, this crazy black woman, who is a major league loser in spite of getting all this money and all the support both times she ran for governor, and yet she screwed it up. And she's like, oh, it's all about voter suppression, and, and this is that. It's like, mm-hmm. And even that was shot, that theory got shot down in flames by, of all, uh, by all folks, the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. So no, record turnout in early voting. Yeah, where's the voter suppression, honey? Hmm, where is it? It didn't exist except in your mind. Ugh, it, it saddens me. But what can I do? I don't live in these cities, but, I mean, uh, Stacey Abrams, hey, Howard is perfect for her. I mean, it's right there in Washington, D.C. And with the rest of the swamp creatures, hey, she can have our, herself a whole wonderful time telling the kids of Howard how... Somehow, if you're black, you're going to get essentially rolled over. I said, uh, yeah, okay. I'm sorry, but there are black conservatives. We are out there. We hold offices everywhere. Uh, state legislatures, all the way up to Congress. But, nope, can't get it through her head. And... Uh, and I feel sorry for those kids at Howard. I really do, because they're going to be taught some of the oh, some serious garbage and serious propaganda. And if they start to believe it, then black America for the 21st century is going to be a mess. It's because there's going to be no real improvement. And you can have all the quotas and set-asides you want to, but... It hasn't really worked in decades. That's why affirmative action is probably the biggest insult to blacks, to Hispanics, to women. And I never went for it. My success is dependent upon my merit. Period. I don't look for government help. But, I mean, I'm sad that they felt they had to do that, but... I have no control over it, but I will stand against it probably until my dying day. So, my friends, with that in mind, uh, looks like I'll just simply call it a day today. But I want to thank you for listening. Uh, you can always find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all podcast platforms. Just look for In Black and Right. Uh, you can also uh, find us on several different social media platforms, including Twitter, uh, Instagram, True Social, Parlor, Getter, True Patriot Network, and others. So, with that in mind, folks, have yourself a great hump day. Um, take care. I will see you guys tomorrow. And, as always, 
Remember that patriots still come in all colors. <laughs>